The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Uh, if you watch on YouTube, you will notice that uh, I'm not Will Brinson. Also, if you are listening, you'll probably notice that I am also still not Will Brinson. That is because Will Brinson is on vacation. Yesterday, he was at a hair plug conference. Today, my understanding is that he is at a porcupine festival. Uh, I have no idea what he's doing there. Getting a pet porcupine, who knows, to replace his dog. Uh, but anyway, this means you have me, John Breach, hosting the show today. And uh, we have an awesome show because we have Cody Benjamin here, uh, and we're going to be breaking down his list of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Cody and I are de facto best friends because we're the two newsletter writers here at CBS Sports. Cody, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm wondering if you are going to be playing the part of Will Brinson today and I'll be breach, or are we kind of just... I mean, it, what are the odds that Will Brinson will listen to this episode afterward? Like, I you... would 20%. Depends how many beers okay. he drinks tonight. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cause I, yeah, I was wondering how much we could get away with saying while he's, he's not here. Well, the thing is, I think Brinson only listens to make sure we mention him. And then once it happens, he turns it off. He's like, all right, I got my mention. I'm good. They acknowledge that I'm not there, but I am the host of the show and I have not been kicked off. Uh, and then he dips out. That's my theory. Yeah. Well, this is my first, this is my first time on here when Will Brinson, I think is not on here. So it's going to be a very, you know, I, I I enjoy Will's presence, but I'm looking forward to to kind of your your offering, your spin on this. Yeah, it's a completely different experience. When you're on with with Brenton, it's like you're at a bar having beers. When you're on with me, it's like we're we're on a date drinking wine. It's a little calmer, okay. but a little more fancy. You know? Yeah, a little more elegant, a little more intellectual. Right, right. There you go. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. You know, speaking of intellectual, Cody, let's let's get to your list so that uh, people can get mad at you, specifically Debo, our producer, because what we're going to start off here with our snubs. Now, personally, uh, the top 10 really seems kind of cut and dry. I didn't feel like anybody that wasn't on the list really deserved to be on the list, because if you put somebody if you say there's a snub, you have to be able to pull someone off the list to replace them. You can't just say, oh, Kyler Murray should have been up the list. Well, who are you taking off? to put Kyler Murray on, taking Dak Prescott off. I don't know. We'll get to those. But uh, Debo, his poor heart was broken because you do not have Jalen Hurts on this list, Cody. Why don't you have Jalen Hurts on the list? Well, if you're just listening and you're not watching, then you should know that there's a Rocky poster directly behind me. And so, I mean, Philadelphia is, I mean, it's it's running through me. And I understand the, I think if anything, you know, Jalen Hurts is set up. I mean, he has to succeed this year because of what the Eagles have put around him, specifically A.J. Brown to compliment, you know, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. The offense is there for him to be a better passer. We just have to see that yet. And I think that um, his legs are comparable to, like, what Kyler Murray offers you. And Kyler Murray, he wasn't in the top 10. He's also got a better arm. Um, I think Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, this has now become a cliche, but he's got the attitude to be, um, a top 10 quarterback. It's just, we, we have yet to see the consistency as a passer. And if that happens this year, then, 
Sure, we can have that discussion. He was in um, one of the dark horse categories in this this list. So I did top ten, but then just because everyone, you know, the, the hordes were going to be out um, with their pitchforks and everything for the guys who were left off, so I tried to put the leftovers in different categories. And Jalen Hurts went in with, I believe it was Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence as kind of these young guys with the talent to be something better. Yeah, Debo definitely had the uh, flaming pitchfork ready for you. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I don't think Jalen was quite ready for that. You also had kind of your own snub tier, uh, which you just called the next tier. And uh, on that side, you had Derek Carr. These are guys that just missed the top 10. Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Tannehill. And you know what? All of those guys have something in common with the person we're going to get to as number 10. It's that they just don't have that big win on their resume. You have Derek Carr has been slightly above average his entire career. He doesn't have any playoff wins. Kyler Murray can't win in the playoffs, plays well to begin the season, uh, kind of peters out toward the end of the season. Kirk Cousins, same story. And uh, so let's get to that 10th spot. It is Dak Prescott, who also doesn't really have that big win, but you gave him the 10th spot over these other guys. So why, Cody, do you have yeah. Dak at number 10? Yeah, and I think that, you know, if you wanted to to make a strong argument for Derek Carr, um, Kyler Murray, that's fine. Kirk Cousins, I mean, Cousins and Carr are very similar in that they they give you borderline top 10 passing production. But like you said, the... The big game moments, the big game wins, they just aren't there. And, you know, with Kyler Murray, I think that's the one guy you could make a case for to replace Dak if you're looking a little more on upside. And we tried to do, or I tried to do this ranking, kind of combining past production, present value, and future outlook, and basically boiling it down to two questions. You know, who who do you trust the most among these quarterbacks? And then who is best positioned to succeed in 2022? You know, Dak Prescott, um, yeah, the big game wins aren't there. He's I, I, That's why he's toward the bottom of the top 10. And I think that um, you've still got maybe some concerns as far as, you know, the offensive line there, he, his receiving core, still some talent there, obviously, but they've changed, um, you know, faces there. Amari Cooper, not there. Cedric Wilson Jr., not there. So there's some transition. But otherwise, I mean, Dak Prescott to me is a quarterback that does you know, all the little things. Well, he knows how to operate in the pocket. He knows how to move just outside the pocket, move around the pocket. Um, and last year, you know, he started off really well coming off that injury. He's just got to keep it going and he's got to do it uh, late in the year. You know, that's the, the, we can say the same thing about Derek Carr and Kirk cousins, but with Dak Prescott, um, I think he is just above that, that next tier where that next tier is full of quarterbacks that, um, you know, their teams, I think they won't say this publicly, but the Vikings, um, the Colts, you know, all these other teams, the Raiders, I think they would happily trade their current quarterbacks if they had a chance, a real chance to get a Tom Brady, a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, but their current quarterbacks are not bad enough that they're willing to say, we're going to hit the total reset button at the position. And we saw that in Minnesota with them, you know, re-signing Kirk Cousins. So yeah, I think Dak Prescott just barely escapes that tier. Yeah, you know what's funny about you bringing up all those names and, and mentioning that structure the way you did is uh, on Friday's Monday's podcast, we had the mailbag and somebody asked us about the Andy Dalton line where uh, if you have a quarterback better than Andy Dalton, then you have a franchise quarterback. If you have a quarterback worse than Andy Dalton, then you need a new quarterback. And that was the case for the early half of the 2010s where you Dalton's taking the playoffs every year but couldn't take him any further. And it does feel like that's the case with uh, the guys you just mentioned, whether well, that's Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, where 
yes, these guys are good enough to get you to the playoffs, but are they going to take you any further than that? And so it does feel like that's a question Dak really needs to answer. Because let me ask you this, Cody. Is Dak Prescott the NFC's version of Derek Carr? I mean, he's pretty pretty close if you're going to pick a guy out. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm trying to imagine if you take a Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, any of these guys, and you plug them into basically the situation that Matthew Stafford was in last year. So he went from, and, and Dak certainly hasn't been on a bad team like the Lions consistently, but if you take those guys and plug them into the Rams offense, um, you know, what are, what's the percentage between zero and a hundred that they are going to lead you to that Super Bowl title. I don't think it's, it's unfathomable that you, you take Dak Prescott, replace him with Matthew Stafford and you still win a Super Bowl. I don't think that's crazy. Um, it's just, as you start to move down that line, maybe that percentage goes down a little bit. Like if Kirk cousins is the Rams quarterback, uh, you know, uh, the talent is there. I think the numbers will be there. But the results might still be kind of like the Vikings, where you're ending up 10 and 7, you're in the wild card round, and maybe that's it. So um, Derek Carr, same thing. I, I, I don't know if they're winning the Super Bowl with Derek Carr, but the, the line, I guess, that's where you're trying to draw it. And I think with Dak, he's probably capable. Um, but yeah, we've, we've yet to see that big game performance from him. I can't wait till the uh, headlines on the Cowboys blogging websites that say uh... – Cody Benjamin, CBS Sports writer, says Dak Prescott is the NFC's version of Derek Carr. Sorry to put you in that spot, Cody. I mean, what do, do Raiders, Raiders fans seem to defend Derek Carr quite a bit? So, yeah, I, yeah, so they like him. <laughs> but maybe that's a that's a compliment to them saying that he is the AFC's version of Dak Prescott. Um, all right, let's move up because now we're getting to some serious talent. Now we've got an actual guy who has won an MVP. Uh, number nine on your list is. Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, also has trouble winning big games, but he does have that MVP to his name. Cody, why is Lamar at number nine? Yeah, so he's he's got questions to answer still. Um, I think people probably forget that this guy led the NFL and touchdown passes at one point. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, the Michael Vick comparisons have been made since he before he came in. Some of them have been more fair than others, uh, but he's got like he, with a flick of a wrist, he's got the arm. He's obviously got the electricity with his legs. I think the the thing that puts him above a guy like Dak Prescott, despite the lack of big game success, is just the pure athleticism. Because um, there is just there are few players in the NFL that can change a game so quickly. I mean, one play, if this guy's athleticism is at you know peak display, then his team's in it. You can't count him out. Now there's you know. The Ravens appear to be kind of doubling down on this, uh, the run heavy approach where his legs are the weapon and not his arm, just the way they prioritized, you know, uh, adding to the offensive line, the running back room as, as opposed to the receiver room. Um, so I think, I think there's still questions to be answered, but you know, if you were to put Lamar Jackson in free agency, if you were to poll the rest of the NFL general managers on, on their interest level in him, I mean, I think like there's there's no question he's resetting the market because of just, you know, you aren't you can't teach the kind of gifts that he has physically. We just have to see if if he can finally, you know, find more consistency passing the ball when it matters. Yeah. And and that is, uh, you know, we can't knock Lamar too much for last season because he was injured. He missed five games, Um, you know, but like you said, 2019, when he won that MVP Led the NFL in touchdown passes with 36. No one else even had 34. Uh, Second that year was Jameis Winston with 33. 
Um, but he has struggled in the playoffs, only has that one playoff win. The Ravens have never been to an AFC championship game with Lamar as their quarterback. And it's interesting that you say uh, if Lamar became a free agent, that you know, general managers would be falling over themselves to offer him a contract because he might be. The Ravens are sitting yeah. there not getting this contract extension done. Cody, do you think they get an extension done uh, within the next month? I mean, it's it's really hard to imagine Lamar Jackson not being a Raven. Um, I, so I would say yes. I mean, I think that um, all indications, and we've had indications from you know um, reports from CBS Sports as well, just about him kind of looking at Kirk Cousins' situation over the last few years favorably, and kind of admiring the way he handled the franchise tag. And you know, I have no doubt that um, you know any player would be intrigued by the idea of kind of riding out the tag, milking your value. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, both Baltimore and Lamar Jackson know that they work well together. You know, I know that they haven't reached the AFC championship, but like the offense is even this off season, you know, with the contract, long-term contract, not in place, they are tailoring everything around what he does well, which is, you know, working through the running backs, the tight ends, his legs. And so I think it gets done. I think he's there. Yeah, you're definitely shooting yourself in the foot if you don't get a deal done when you built the entire offense around them. Uh, all right, let's get to number eight. We went from can't win the big game at number 10, Dak Prescott. Number nine, we had an MVP winner in Lamar Jackson. Now we're getting to our first Super Bowl winning quarterback on the list, and it's probably a good thing Will Brinson is not hosting the podcast because if he were, we would spend the next two hours talking about this guy and his Hall of Fame candidacy and how they should – wave all the rules for the Hall of Fame and put him in tomorrow. And that guy is, of course, Matthew Stafford. And Brinson also yell at you for having him too low because I think Brinson thinks he should be number one. Cody, why is Matthew Stafford at number eight on your list? Yeah, honestly, so the first thing I thought of when I when I realized that Will Brinson was not going to be on today was that this the Stafford conversation, like we're going to have to manufacture some juice for it because I know he like he, he brings him up every episode, regardless of whether they're talking about quarterbacks. And so honestly, and I'm, and I'm not saying this to be contrarian to Will Brinson, but I, I genuinely believe that Matthew Stafford is probably and this is nothing taking nothing away from what he did last year, the way that he helped them win the Super Bowl. His career is is great now, but I, I think that he's much closer to the very good pool that includes um, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. You can throw Dak Prescott in there. I, I feel like he is closer to the the top of that tier than he is the elites, like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, those guys. Um, I, I, I want you to tell me what you think of this comparison, and I don't think it's perfect by any means, but um, are there some similarities to, you know, so a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who, who played a bunch of years in Miami for a mediocre team. He put up, you know, Matthew Stafford had better numbers than him coming out of Detroit. But he was kind of, he's another one of those guys that, um, you know, he's a good but not necessarily elite quarterback. And then he moves teams. There's better talent around him, better coaching around him. Um, obviously, Stafford has had the playoff success. Tannehill has not. But I just, I, to me, I, I just, my, what I'm trying to get at is I think Matthew Stafford is closer to very good than elite. That doesn't mean the Rams had the wrong quarterback. They won the Super Bowl with him. I think he's great with all the weapons around him. Um, I'm just not quite ready after one year in the Rams system to say he's Tom Brady. 
Yeah, I don't think that's unfair. Whenever uh, Brinson fights to put Stafford in the Hall of Fame, me and Wilson always have some pushback. I don't know if I'd uh, 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 compare him to Ryan Tannehill. I feel like Tannehill's probably a little bit less talented. I feel like, but I do agree with what you're saying, the principle what you're saying. I would probably put him more in the league of someone like Matt Ryan, who puts up prolific numbers. But even Matt Ryan, you know, had the MVP and Super Bowl appearance. And it is hard to give Stafford you know, full credit for getting the Super Bowl with the Rams because Jared Goff got the Super Bowl with the Rams. So we know that Sean McVay's system can be successful uh, almost no matter which quarterback is back there. And obviously, if you upgrade a quarterback like the Rams did and you put someone like Stafford, that makes you more likely to win the Super Bowl. Uh, But, you know, knowing that Goff also got him there, I think takes a little bit away. Uh, You know, let's not forget that Matt Stafford led the NFL in interceptions, uh, in the 2021 season, he threw two interceptions in the Super Bowl. So it's not like he is a perfect quarterback. I think eight is definitely a good spot for him. And I feel like the only person that would argue on that is Will Brenton. Yeah, I mean, before this year. So if you look at Matt Stafford, the way he finished with the Lions, there were a couple of Matt Ryan years in there. When I say Matt Ryan years, I mean like more recent Matt Ryan. So the guy who's just kind of He's essentially just like a placeholder on a bad team. I mean, he's not doing much to elevate a bad team. He's not necessarily sinking them either. But like before this, you know, before he was moved to the Rams, I think that, you you know, you look at the quarterback power rankings that we would do at CBS Sports. I mean, Stafford was closer to like the 20s, um, the way that he was finishing out with the Lions. And that maybe is more an indictment of the Lions. But still, yeah, I think I think eight is a. Is a fine. I mean, I, I made the list, so I think that it's a fine spot for Stafford there. Yeah, I was trying to look up your list from last year. I do not think that Matthew Stafford was in the top ten. I actually, I know that he wasn't. Um, I, what no, I want because to see, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He, he he wasn't your honorable mention. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I just think if you go back to the conversation about like if you took Dak Prescott and put him in Stafford's shoes last year, um. You know, maybe you believe more in Stafford's big arm than Dak Prescott, but I, I don't think they're that different in terms of ability. No, I think that uh, eight is absolutely fair for Stafford. I actually like all these so far because it's, you know, Lamar Jackson has MVP, might be more electrifying, but we, you know, we need to see him win a big game, an AFC title game, get his team to the Super Bowl, get that team over the hump. Stafford at eight, yes, he just won the Super Bowl. You just pointed out these are the reasons why he's not higher. So let's get to a little bit more uh, juiciness. Let's get to number seven, someone who maybe could be a little higher, but he's not. And that is the man who just got traded from Seattle to Denver. Sierra's husband, Russell Wilson, is at number seven. Cody. Yeah, I. so we also had to rank AFC and NFC quarterbacks uh, by conference this offseason. And when I did the AFC quarterbacks, I had Russell Wilson um, ahead of Joe Burrow. And I decided I changed my mind for doing the top 10 here. Spoiler um, alert. Spoiler alert. Yep. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, well, we haven't gotten to Joe yet unless you think I, he's left off. Um, yeah. I think that just it's, he's such a wild card. I, I think that Russell Wilson right now is more of a wild card now than maybe at any point in his career besides coming in as a rookie. Uh, you know, he's coming off the finger injury, his rhythm, his timing, everything was off for a good chunk of last year with the Seahawks. And just the fact that he's changing scenery, I know that, you know, everyone just kind of assumes while relocating, you're guaranteed to have this, you know, find greener grass on the other side. And I do think he will do too well in Denver. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on him too. I mean, he is the biggest, 
um, acquisition they've had at quarterback since they went all out to get Peyton Manning and eventually won a Super Bowl with him. So um, I like Russ. I think he's still um, he's still got incredible poise. He can still move around. He's still got great touch downfield. It's just there's a question mark because he's playing for a team other than the Seahawks for the first time in over a decade. And so which Russ are we getting? Are we getting the guy who was snubbed for MVP votes annually in Seattle? Or are we getting the guy who um, is going to be asked to try and be Superman on a new team with new teammates? Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a big question mark, but a fun one. Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget it. Wilson has that. Obviously, he's won a Super Bowl, went the back to back Super Bowls, beat Peyton Manning's Broncos, lost because he threw an interception against the Patriots. But when you look at more recent history, uh, he's only got one playoff win over the past five years. And so I think that is worth pointing out. And, you know, you mentioned that hand injury, which it just feels like people kind of stopped talking about that. And he was not a good quarterback when he came back from that injury. Uh, Just for instance, he missed, I think, three games and then came back and played um, nine games. And in those nine games, he had five where he completed under 60% of his passes. So five of those nine games, under 60%. To start the season before the injury, uh, he didn't have a single game below 68%. So, I I mean, you're talking about where his accuracy was just way off. Uh, The finger injury made it look different. Obviously, he's had plenty of time to heal. But I think you don't know for sure that he is going to go out and be the Russell Wilson that started the season or – 2019 Russell Wilson, uh, you know, you just don't know. You don't know. So I I think that having Russell Wilson at seven is fair. You know, but if the Broncos go out and win the Super Bowl this year, where are you going to have Russell next year, Cody? I need to know right now. If he wins the Super Bowl, well, I mean, how is he playing? Is he Peyton Manning of 2015 just kind of limping along? Or is he like, is it an MVP year for him? Cody. The Broncos win the Super Bowl. I'm not giving you any other hints. Okay, I would say he's probably, ooh, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in front of him. I mean, I'm saying he's probably right on the outside of the top five, right around there. He's going to have to beat at least two or three of the quarterbacks that are above him on this list. I won't spoil uh, just to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, So maybe that put him up higher. I think. Possibly. I think an underrated question, too, is just philosophically, like, how is the Denver's offense going to run? Because I think a big talking point when he left Seattle and, you know, the rumors behind the scenes were that he really wanted to leave Seattle because of just philosophical differences. Like Pete Carroll wants this old school stick to the ground, rely on the defense where he wants to really showcase his passing abilities. I don't know that he's going to, you know, unless he's he's like. Um, walking into Nathaniel Hackett's office and telling him, like, I run this thing. Um, I don't know that the philosophy is going to be that much different from C- – like, he, I think that Russell Wilson has benefited from that run-heavy attack in Seattle. I think he's a good quarterback when he has that run game going with him. Um, I don't know that in Denver, you know, with Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, I mean, to me, it seems like the smart thing to do would be almost – you know, you can pass more than they did in Seattle, but to replicate a little bit of what they were doing, because that has worked well, aside from, I guess, the last five years winning in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I won't be surprised if the Broncos do that, but I think Russell Wilson is, is more along the lines of, look, just the threat of the run being there helps me, but Pete Carroll doesn't believe in the threat of the run. Pete Carroll just believes in you run no matter right. what. So right. we're going to run the ball on every play. I'm not letting Russ cook. 
And it sounds like Nathaniel Hackett is going to build him a kitchen uh, and, you know, maybe have a little cabinet over here where the run game is stored and break it out once in a while. Yeah. It's that salt. Yep, pepper. Yep. Salt and pepper. Um, yes. I, I do think the Broncos are going to be good this year. I think Russell Wilson's going to be good this year, um, but not as good as the next quarterback on this list, who, by the way, is criminally too low, I will add, before even saying his name. You didn't have to put up with Brinson and Matthew Stafford, but you do have to put up with me defending my boy Joe Burrow, who is number six on this list after leading the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. Cody, why the Joe Burrow hate? Why isn't he number one? First of all, why isn't there a Joe Burrow jersey in that room that you're in right now. I mean, there's a Bengals helmet, Cody. Every time I do the newsletter for you on Wednesdays, my, my, it's cause I always have to do this introduction because it's coming from John breach, but it's really not, it's coming from me. And so I always have to type in an excuse that says why you're not there. Nine times out of 10, I'm saying that you're shopping for Joe Burrow jerseys or you're doing something like that. You could at least put one in the background. Um, it, well, represent. nine times out of ten, your nine times out of ten is accurate. So just to be fair, you should feel okay. good about yourself. Well, next time we'll see nine Joe Burrow jerseys in the background. Um, <laughs> so Joe Burrow is at six. Can I spoil? Did you say who was next? I did not. Because I feel like that would provide some context here. Um, I think that so, – so Joe Burrow is right behind Justin Herbert of the Chargers. And I think these two guys are – I mean, you can't go wrong choosing either. Again, if you're a Bengals fan, I, I mean – fine to be upset, but I would say, just look at the big picture. He's basically, he's a top five quarterback essentially in the entire NFL. Um, Joe Burrow, I think has, he set the bar incredibly high. I mean, as a rookie, even in a half a season, the confidence was there, even when the offensive line was not, you know, to go to the Super Bowl in the second season, he's already exceeded expectations. And I think the big thing with Joe Burrow that I like is that, so everyone in the media, when they talk about Joe Burrow, they talk about um, how cool he is how he's just, he's got this swagger, but more than that, he's just like, he's a remarkably efficient, like he does, he does the things well that you're supposed to as a quarterback. He's, um, I, I, you, you might be a better person to, to be the judge of this, but I just feel like if there's like a top true, like point guard at the position, um, whether besides Tom Brady, it feels like it would be Joe Burrow because, He's got the skill set or the skill guys around him. He just dishes it out extremely well. The reason why Justin Herbert, I have him ahead here, and Joe Burrow has the edge in um, playoff experience, obviously, going through uh, for the Super Bowl run. Um, and I think that this year, Joe Burrow is also set up to succeed. He's got one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. The offensive line has improved. Um, but I would say that Justin Herbert, besides being a little bit bigger, Besides being a little bit younger, Herbert turned 24 in March. Burrow turns 26 in December. Um, I think Justin Herbert is a little bit more mobile, and he's got the clean bill of health. Those are the only reasons. I mean, you could swap them, and I wouldn't be upset. I think both guys are great. I think Justin Herbert, the expectations are he's got to win a playoff game this year. Um, uh, uh, Justin Herbert just needs to get to the playoffs. Yeah, just get. But the I think that the, the horse there, Cody. But the Chargers fans, I think they know how good he is. They're like, we, we want to be the team with Joe Burrow, and I think they can be. Well, you know what's funny is there is a Bengals fan uh, who is on Twitter and sees Bengals Twitter all day. There is literally like a secret hatred between Bengals Twitter and Chargers Twitter because the Chargers fans think Justin Herbert is no doubt better than Joe Burrow, and Bengals fans think Joe oh, Burrow is no doubt better than Justin Herbert. So the fact that you have them uh, so closely ranked here – 
uh, is very interesting. Of course, having Herbert on top is just oh, uh, I'm sorry. Walk off the podcast right now. I'm sorry to you for I mean, I don't that's such a silly debate because they're both like it should be like Manning and Brady. And maybe those debates did happen. But like where you just respect the other guy and you're like, I'm looking forward to this rivalry or this competition. But I didn't mean to give uh, everyone in Cincinnati a hard time in this debate. Uh, you know what I will say, though, and this is why I would have Burrow ahead of Herbert. And I do agree with you that I think they're essentially pretty even and you really can't go wrong with either guy. I just think Burrow has been more clutch in bigger games. You know, we haven't seen they haven't played in a ton of big games. Obviously, Burrow only has this past season. But you look at Justin Herbert. He kind of melted down down the stretch uh, last season. I mean, he had an ugly game against the Houston Texans. If if sure. the if if the the Chargers would have beaten the Houston Texans uh, in their fifteenth game, week sixteen, I get mixed up with all the weeks. Uh, yes, there's week eighteen, so it was week sixteen, and he threw two picks and a 41-29 loss to the Houston Texans. If they don't lose that game, they're in the playoffs. I, I would uh, push back just a little. I mean, be, uh, that's totally true. I, I but what comes to mind for me is when they had the little play-in game with the Raiders. Uh, the Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert at the end of that game, I feel like, uh, you know, Twitter is not the, the total barometer for this, but I feel like it was tweet after tweet of like, wow, this this Herbert guy is special because like you could see the laser of the arm at the end of that game with the Raiders that a lot of people thought the Chargers should have won, um, you know, if not for some clock management or the decision about the field goal stuff. I, I think that in that game, Justin Herbert but at the end, he looked exactly like a veteran playoff quarterback. Um, now, granted, yeah, Joe Burrow has been through those games. So, um, again, I, if you were, like, redrafting him just because of the age and more mobility from Herbert, I'm, I'm going Herbert. But I think, yeah, uh, they're both going to be incredibly fun to watch. And that is true. But also in that game, Herbert threw a fourth-quarter interception and also threw 30 incomplete passes. Uh, he Was it really 30? 30 only completed 53% of his passes in a win or go home game with every, it was essentially a playoff game. And so, yes, he did, you know, the final five minutes uh, looked amazing, but that made up for air mailing dozens of passes um, through the first three quarters. So you really got to see the two sides of Justin Herbert and then uh, also had a week 15 loss to the chiefs. I think they lost three of their last four games. Herbert threw an interception in all of them. I don't have, I'm not here to bash Justin Herbert though. Yeah. I, Justin Herbert's a good quarterback. Yeah. And if you just remember, like the guy has, I mean, same with Joe Burrow, but they've literally played two seasons. And, and so we are just, we're, we're just nitpicking here because we're trying to go through these rankings, but like in the grand scheme of things, so many teams, so many fan bases would do so much to get these guys under center. Um, I mean, through two seasons. Um, yeah. I, I just think that they are on such incredible trajectories. And the the funny part is that we're nitpicking about the fifth and sixth ranked quarterbacks who I do agree, even though I would have Burrow at five, I really wouldn't have Burrow at one. I don't think I would put Burrow ahead of any of the top four guys on our list, which we will talk about after the break. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Uh, yeah, so let's do a quick recap. We got Dak Prescott at 10, Lamar Jackson at 9, Matthew Stafford at 8, Russell Wilson at 7, Joe Burrow at 6, Justin Herbert at 5, even though Joe Burrow should be at 5, and Justin Herbert at 6, but it's Cody's list, and I'm not going to argue with it. Um, but now let's get to the top four, because the top four is interesting, and I do think that if you ask anyone, I would think – Mostly everyone agrees with these people as the top four quarterbacks. Maybe not this exact order, but it does seem like uh, this is the way to go. And let's start at fourth overall. You have Josh Allen. Cody, why is Josh Allen at four? Yeah, so in these top four, um, you know, I, I agree. I think that most people, like you said, would agree with these four uh, being in the four. It's just the order of it. And I think uh, once it got to the very top of this list, what I tried to lean a little bit more on was the question of who do you trust the most? And so these guys, if they are the best of the best talent wise, um, who, who am I taking if I, if I really just need a win? And so Josh Allen is kind of still on the brink of, of earning that trust. And, and I'm not saying, you know, he's, he's number four in the NFL of all the quarterbacks. So I, I, I adore his abilities and um, I, I don't know if Bill's Bill's fans would certainly say he's already a superstar, I would say he's, you know, he's on the brink of like that Patrick Mahomes level. Um, I, I just think he gives you everything you want in a contemporary quarterback in terms of he's got the size, he can move, he runs like a, I don't even, running back's not an accurate term. He runs like a, a tight end. Um, he, his arm is just one of the best in the NFL. He's an annual MVP candidate. And I think that really the only thing you know, there's still some force plays because when, whenever you have this kind of an arm and, and athleticism, there's going to be times when you lean a little too much on your own abilities. You, you know, he's always going to be some kind of a turnover or injury risk because of the way he plays, but he's managed it incredibly well. Um, you know, the offense is built up well around him. The only thing, uh, not as much as Lamar Jackson, but kind of like Lamar Jackson, you're just waiting for him to, to reach that next step to get over the hump, to actually be in a Super Bowl, contend for a Lombardi. But, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, I, I really don't think there's that much separating him and Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. No, and I think one thing that separates Josh Allen from 
most of the other top guys on this list is his mobility. I mean, it is really amazing how well he runs the ball. And it's really probably not even a, a fully appreciated aspect of his game. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has rushed for, uh, he ran for over 700 yards last season. I mean, that's insane for a star quarterback in the NFL. It, you, you, would, you don't like lump him in with Lamar Jackson, who's going for over a thousand. But when you're talking about mobile quarterbacks, he's the next guy you should be talking. I mean, people talk about Kyler Murray, but when you're talking about the total package, as far as can throw it, it mobile, I would put Josh Allen right behind uh, Lamar Jackson, just because of how mobile uh, he has been through his first four years. He's gone over 400 yards uh, in each of those four seasons, 400 yards rushing. Um, yeah. So I, Josh Allen is interesting here. I think, you know, you were saying you kind of, your deciding factor when you can't decide where to put someone is, do you trust them in the clutch? How good are they in big situations? And for me, I view it more of a, if I had to pick a quarterback to play for my team next year, who would yeah. I want? Which is kind of, you know, like if I had to draft a quarterback for one year, because obviously, like you said, this is not total yeah. body of work because Tom Brady would be at the top of every list all the time because he has seven Super Bowl wins. Um, yeah, but I don't hate Josh Allen here. I think maybe you could somebody could argue up to three, maybe two, but he's not one, and he's in the top five. I think it's a fair spot. Well, certainly, um, if you were doing like the – and that's that's a fair way to look at it, like draft a quarterback for a year. Certainly the guys who can move and, and can be off script, which is, you know, Lamar Jackson or – you know, and he's maybe a little more system dependent, but just a guy who can move like Josh Allen um, or Patrick Mahomes – you know, they give you separated from their setups. They're probably offering a little bit of a higher floor just because if you take Tom Brady um, and you ruin his offensive line and that's it, probably. So with Josh Allen, you ruin his offensive line. You know, there's probably going to be more forced throws, more interceptions, but you've still got that cannon of an arm, that bulldozer of a body that's going to move the ball. And, you know, a name that came to mind, I don't know comparably size-wise if Cam Newton or Josh Allen was bigger, but you're talking about, I mean, Josh Allen giving you that kind of body type who can move, but also he's just a much better thrower uh, at every area of the field. And so, yeah, it's a it's a total package. Yeah, and they're both similar. That's a good point. Uh, Cam and Josh are both 6'5", and I think Cam Newton was a little heavier, listed at 245. Josh Allen's listed up 237. So a little bit different, but very, very, very similar. Uh, and real quick, last season, the top rushing quarterbacks were Jalen Hurts, your boy Debo, another shout-out, who had 784 yards, Lamar Jackson at 767, even though he missed five games, uh, and then Josh Allen four yards behind Lamar at 763 no other quarterback in the NFL uh, even had 425 yards rushing. So those three wow. way ahead of everyone else. All right, let's get to the top three. And number three is the two-time reigning NFL MVP. Uh, the NFL voters think he is the best quarterback. Cody, you have a number three, though, going into 2022. Yeah. Um, besides like Russell Wilson, um, the one that I feel like there's just something that's, I don't want to say rubbing me the wrong way, but something just isn't quite sitting right. Uh, it's with Aaron Rodgers, and not because I don't trust him. I think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, besides Tom Brady, no one is more clutch, uh, when it matters. I mean, you, it's fourth quarter games on the line, Aaron Rodgers, 
He's still got the precision, precision passing. He still prepares and plays the game confidently like no one else. It's just that he's kind of at this critical juncture. It feels like he's, he's gotten the MVPs. He's literally gotten two in a row. He hasn't gotten back to the Super Bowl, and now he's without Devontae Adams. And so I know that's more the setup around him, but you know, we're, if we're looking at quarterback's best position to succeed in 2022, um, I think you know even approaching 40 years old, um, again, I, I'm trusting him more than most people in the NFL at the position. But uh, there's just it, it seems like there's a there's a good chance he might have to work a little bit harder this year to uh, you know overcome the loss of Devontae Adams, who he trusted so much in the passing game. You know, he's still going to bring that confidence. He's going to throw the ball with authority. Uh, but he's talked openly about how he feels like he's a little closer to the end um, than other quarterbacks. And so I guess I'm just wondering, you know, if we've seen MVP Aaron Rodgers for two straight years, uh, at some point the regression will happen. I'm not going to be the one to say he's going to regress. The Packers are going to be bad. But I, I, I would much rather, I guess, bank on the athleticism or the, the proven results in the playoffs of some of these other guys. Yeah, it's the law of averages, too. You can't just keep winning 13 games every year. And, you know, as you said, this is about the 2022 season. This isn't necessarily about what he's done in the past with the Super Bowl win in 2010 or two MVPs in the past two years. It is he has to succeed this year, and it's not going to be easy without Devontae Adams. We don't know what the Packers offense is going to be like without Devontae Adams. We know that, you know, Aaron Rodgers has had success when Devontae Adams has sporadically missed games. But that's different because the defense doesn't know who they're game planning for because you don't know what the Packers offense is going to look like. You're not going to have that little trick up your sleeve this year because teams are going to see film the first two weeks of what you do without Devontae Adams. And then you got to play the rest of the year without Devontae Adams. You're not getting Devontae Adams back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what Green Bay does, if it, you know, do you let Aaron Rodgers throw to this core receivers that isn't exactly a, a bunch of pro bowlers? Or do you say, you know what, we're going to run the ball more, even though you have Aaron Rodgers. So it, it's kind of going to be interesting to see what the Packers do. Yeah, I mean, I would think that it's going to be a little bit of both. Um, you'd think because Matt LaFleur has success kind of leaning on the run at certain times, um, coming from Tennessee, Tennessee, bringing that over. I mean, they've they've got A.J. Dillon, they've got Aaron Jones. I mean, they can do that. Um, I, I think it's going to be both. I mean, you're going to have probably some games, though, where if Sammy Watkins is actually being trotted out as like one of the primary outlets, you know, you're going to have some games where I, I guarantee the broadcast is talking about, well, you know, this is this is where the absence of Devontae Adams is apparent. And so, you know, Christian Watson, maybe he can make an immediate impact. It's a high bar that guys like Jamar Chase and uh, Justin Jefferson have set at that position. But uh, I think they'll be good. It's just, again, um, can we expect another 13 wins, another MVP, let alone a run to a Super Bowl win? I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, I think Aaron Rodgers, his career certainly merits that kind of recognition. Yeah, Devontae Adams had 169 targets last season, and that has to be replaced. Those are going to go somewhere else, uh, so we'll see what Aaron Rodgers does. All right, let's get to number two on the list. If you're doing the math in your head, you can probably figure out the two quarterbacks who are left, but I'm not going to spoil it. I am just going to go straight to it. Uh, number two is Patrick Mahomes, which means you obviously, you know, I might even mention number one yet. Let's just talk about Patrick Mahomes and why he's at number two. Yeah. So again, I think Josh Allen, uh, is, is very close to Patrick Mahomes. Like all these guys are pretty close. He's top five. You're happy with probably any of them under center. If you've got weapons around them, um, 
Mahomes is really interesting because last year at a certain point, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't fully arrived at this position, but I feel like you could have had like a hot take early in last season uh, or mid season when the chiefs were struggling offensively, like maybe Patrick Mahomes, like he just can't like, he operates so much off script. He does so much like, you know, throwing with his left hand, moving around and throwing a, a crazy arm angle out of the pocket. You're just wondering, can this guy just stand still and make traditional throws that he needs to make? But he's just set the bar so high that when he's not perfect or when he's not ending a game with a, you know, a logic defying throw to win it all, uh, people are wondering, like, is something really wrong with him? And I think criticism was fair. You know, last year he had a career high 17 turnovers for the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, they were still a really good playoff team by the end of the season. Um, they were very close to getting back to the Super Bowl. Um, I just think no one moves around the pocket so uh, loosely, so confidently. And Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes are just the perfect pairing in terms of basically playing backyard football and designing up crazy plays. Kind of like Aaron Rodgers, there is a, you know, you're entering this, this juncture here with the offense because Tyree kills gone. Travis Kelsey is probably even more uh, valuable to that offense right now. Um, I think Juju Smith Schuster um, more so than Marquez Valdez Scantling, I think will really benefit from uh, just the way they run things. But I, I mean, there's still question marks there. How is he going to gel with those receivers? How quickly is he going to do it? But the way the chiefs do it, I mean, they, they kind of, they're on autopilot for 10 weeks, then they turn it on anyway and they cruise. So I think Patrick Mahomes, just as long as he and Andy Reid are, are tied together there, um, they're just always able to steal a game whenever they need to. Yeah, and we just, if you're watching on YouTube, we have the graphic up there of how far the Chiefs have gotten each of the past four seasons. Obviously, they've gotten four straight AFC title games. They've won two of them, so they've made it to two Super Bowls. Uh, but even when you look at their two AFC title losses, they were both in overtime. Uh, so this team is literally just a play or two away from going to four straight Super Bowls which is mind blowing. And so uh, it does feel like there does seem to be that law where, like you said, they don't turn it on until late in the season. Uh, so you see that early season law where you're thinking, my God, did the chiefs take a step back. Are they finally regressing? Uh, but you know, it just seems like Andy Reed, Patrick Mahomes, you play with that chip on your shoulder, those personal challenges. And I think losing Tyree kill, that's going to be a personal challenge for Andy Reed to develop an offense that can be just as successful without Tyree kill. That's going to be a personal challenge for Patrick Mahomes to get the ball to other guys and make sure the offense is just as successful without Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, you know, Mahomes said an interesting thing during OTAs, and that was that, hey, look, uh, Andy Reid, as he went to four straight NFC title games with the Eagles, this he has successfully run an NFL offense for two decades. There's no reason for us to think that's going to change this year. Yeah, and I think that um, kind of like uh, even more so, but kind of like with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the the receivers that the Packers are trotting out there, you might not love them, but the fact that they're playing with Aaron Rodgers, they're they're going to get a boost. And so the same thing with the Chiefs, except probably times 10, because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are both on their A games, or when they are, it's just, it's it's a video game out there, the way that they're moving pieces around moving down the field. And so, I mean, I could easily see it being a big year for Juju Smith-Schuster, just collecting targets over the middle, kind of like Travis, Travis Kelsey. Um, so, yeah, until they don't show up in an AFC championship game, uh, kind of like Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick and the Patriots all those years, until they don't show up, 
you kind of just have to trust them. Yeah, and like you said, we talked about how Rodgers could take a step back, but it doesn't feel like the, the Packers did a great job replacing Devontae Adams. But it does feel like the Chiefs, you know, McCall, or uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, as you mentioned, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they're not Tyreek Hill level, obviously, but it does feel like they're a step up from what the Packers brought in to replace Devontae Adams. And then, you know, they also brought in Ronald Jones and Jarek McKinnon uh, to get that run game going, help Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And if that gets going, then you got to take the run game seriously. It makes it harder to stop the pass. And, man, who knows? We could see the Chiefs in a fifth straight AFC title game. All right, Cody, we have done it. We need to get a drum roll so we can drum rolls for things like this. Because Brenton always says drum roll, and we have to do it with our mouth. I can't do a drum roll with my mouth. I don't even know. Like, I can't either. Yeah, Maybe does Debo have like a drum roll thing you could queue up or Debo, you know drum roll? What's going on? Debo's gone. Oh, he's gone. We weren't talking about Jalen Hurts. See ya. Um, all right, let's get to the number one quarterback on Cody's list of the top ten quarterbacks for the twenty twenty two season. And that quarterback, of course, is seven-time Super Bowl winner Tom Brady. Cody, he the man is going to be 45 years old in a month and a half, and you have him at number one. Please explain. Yeah, Father Time thought he got a victory this offseason, and then Brady, you know, returned from the dead after a long 30 days. And, um, yeah, I just think that as soon as Tom Brady – uh, announced his return from retirement. Uh, you know, tons of crazy things have happened this offseason. Tons at quarterback, wide receiver, head coach, uh, all kinds of things. But I think that as soon as Tom Brady returned, at least in my mind, that became the story again of, of this season, Tom Brady. And so I, I think there may be a day when Tom Brady can't throw the ball with as much authority as he does right now. But um, I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. He's, his arm has seemingly gotten stronger since he relocated from New England to Tampa Bay. I mean, at the end of the Patriots era, or his Patriots era, you know, there were there were actual questions about like maybe he's actually taking a step back here, but he has now proven um, that that is not the case. And so, I think he just remains the most fearless, most prepared, most influential quarterback in the game. And I just think there's. It sounds silly. It's not scientific. It's there's no data behind it, but there's just this aura. Yeah, that's a great preface to an argument, isn't it? Um, but there's just this this aura, this unexplainable thing, the it factor. I mean, how many times do we talk about a quarterback having an it factor? And yes, I if you want to argue that like a guy like Josh Allen who can move and who has all the physical talent to succeed outside of his system is better. That's totally fine. But I just think that there is an it factor with Tom Brady that I'm sorry, when you sign up to play for a team with a quarterback who's won seven Super Bowls, you feel a little better about yourself walking out onto the field. And we've seen that with the way that they've been able to recruit free agents, retain free agents, his impact on the team. I, I don't think you can always explain it, but it's always felt. And so he's he's literally I mean, he's a living legend. And so I think he's got all the tools, all the experience to be the favorite and the transition at head coach, I think is a little underrated. We're probably not talking enough about what it could mean that the Buccaneers are now being run by Todd Bowles instead of Bruce Arians. But even that you could look at like, well, now Tom Brady is just running the entire team essentially, or at least the offense with Todd Bowles um, coming from the defensive side of the ball. So their unit is still good. The weapons around them are still good. I, I can't not take Tom Brady until he's done. 
Yeah, it does kind of feel like Brady and Byron Leftwich are probably sitting in that offensive room. And Bowles is like, I'm never going to talk to you guys this entire season unless there's like a fourth down we have to decide on. Other than that, this is... And, he, this and is even awesome. then, Tom Brady's just telling him to go back to the sidelines or whatever. So... Yeah, you know what? It, it, it is hard. When I first looked at this list, I, I like Tom Brady, because again, it's best quarterbacks of 2022. And I know we're taking the past a little bit into account here. Uh, I wasn't sure, so sure about Tom Brady at the top of the list. And I told you how I like to view it as which quarterback would I draft for one season. And I don't think I would take Brady first. Maybe I would take Mahomes or even Rodgers. Um, but you can't argue with Brady at number one for all the reasons you said. And, and I do understand, you know, you're saying that at, part of the argument is hard to argue because it's just there's this aura about him. And it, it's like having momentum in a sport where people are like, well, momentum doesn't technically exist. But it's like if you've ever gone to the YMCA or gone out to the basketball court and made like eight three pointers in a row, you just start feeling it and you don't know yeah. why. And all the ball just keeps falling. And that's when Tom Brady is your quarterback. That is the mentality that every player around him has. They're just all in the zone. They all want to be better and they all want to win for Tom Brady because they know his career is almost over. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, so, it, it, yeah. it's past performance, but it's like it's so um, monumental that it seeps into the present. And And again, that doesn't matter as much if Tom Brady comes out this year and like three games in his arm just dies. Like it's Peyton Manning of 2015. Like that, obviously things change then, but assuming that his arm is still close to what it's been the last two years with the Buccaneers um, and he's getting the protection, he's got, you know, good linemen up front. uh, Then yeah, that, that stuff does matter. And it's, you know, it just, it feels like you're talking about like magic or something like some kind of witchcraft or something, but like, that's, I mean, the guy has seven Super Bowls. That is magic. That is like, uh, it's not, it's something that's not heard of. And so when he walks in the locker room, there's just a different kind of command that he's holding on the field in the uh, the preparation room. So yeah, that's, that's why he's there. It's not witchcraft, Cody. It's the TB12 method and his miracle water and right. everything, you know, the little, uh, the, the, the carb packets he doesn't eat carbs and he, he doesn't eat sugar and he doesn't eat strawberries. Yeah. That's how he yeah, does it's, it. Yeah, uh, it's. Have you ever tried that diet or anything? No, I don't. I, I can't do diets. I would literally. I eat. You would <laughs> muffins for breakfast every morning. You can't eat muffins with diets. What kind of muffins? Uh, blueberry muffins. They're delicious. Banana muffins. Okay. My wife likes to make muffins, so we just eat muffins. Wow, that's great. I would go for like a double chocolate, like a chocolate chunk kind of a muffin. That's like a dessert, yep. but I'm in. That is definitely a dessert. Do you, do you, do you drink milk with it? No, I, you know what? I drink a lot of almond milk and. Uh, I don't like to mix it with the muffins. I just, I enjoy the muffin because you drink the milk, it washes it all down and then you lose the flavor. I want the flavor to stick around for a little bit. Well, here's a weird thing. I, uh, so I, <laughs> no, I, I have enjoyed like, so those kind of pastries or snacks or things like I enjoy having a glass of cold milk with it. Sometimes I'll put the milk even in the freezer for a little bit. I mean, maybe this is weird. Maybe we'll get some comments, but um get the get the milk nice and cold like from the freezer almost like frozen so it's just ice cold but i used to get like i would try and get a snack that was dry so that i would intentionally just really crave the milk does that make sense like like some kind of a like uh, you ever have those Belvita bites or anything like that the little cheese bites no well that's a different kind of Belvita. i'll send you a link yeah send me a link and you this is the, like the third weirdest food thing i've seen this week behind Jordan Dejani putting mayonnaise in his coffee. Oh yeah, I saw and, that. Uh, and and the ketchup popsicles. 
Yeah, so I wouldn't go. Good. You're on the list. Yeah, I wouldn't go there. But uh, you know what? Maybe next time you're on, we will rank the top ten muffins or the top ten weirdest things you do with your food. Sounds good. I'll. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, well, we could work on that together. It could be a collaborative project. And we'll have some free time this summer. Debo's always looking to fill episodes. Is he uh, here? I think he might have left. I'm here. I'm Debo, here. we're ending the podcast. I'm telling everyone goodbye. Thanks for listening. Hope you had two fun days with me as the host. And one fun day with Cody as the guest and your 912th fun day uh, with Debo as the producer. We'll see you guys tomorrow. I think Ryan Wilson is hosting. He might not be. I don't know who's going to be here, but tune in to find out. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.